0: Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host Jason Demland and I am joined as always and in the future by my good friend and fellow money muddler Caleb Frankert. Jason, can a podcast about
1: finance be entertaining not without alcohol? Well, all right, let's mix it up.
0: Hey Caleb, Jason, we're doing a podcast today. Yes, sir. It is podcast day, which means we've got another excellent dose of cocktails and finance, mixology and moneyology. We've got dollars and drinks. We are the Booze Brothers, and we are bringing perfectly clear frozen financial ice nuggets to your glass.
1: We're on a mission from GAD.
0: (laughs) Yes, all of us are. That's the doctrine of vocation. However, (laughs) we're not talking about that today, Caleb. No,
1: that's another podcast coming soon to a platform near you. In a world. That's enough of that.
0: (laughs) We're sticking with these movie themes and pop culture with these uh, finance topics and drinks. So I guess that's good to have the the trailer guy in a world that's completely underwater.
1: (laughs) I wonder how he orders at the restaurant.
0: (laughs) Yeah, anyway, that is probably enough of that. Let's stop. I'm having a good time, Caleb. Me too. Is there anything new and this interesting? Week? Oh, <laughs> our listeners don't know, but we took a week off, and it was torture.
1: Yeah, well, we took a week off. There was a lot going on. Um, I could summarize it in one word. Baseball. <laughs> that is all. Both of my kids started baseball last week. Um, and in case uh, you haven't done this yet, uh, it's a bit of a commitment. So uh, my wife, mm-hmm. it's funny, she thinks it's a little bit crazy, but... Uh, here in Defiance, Ohio, I guess you can't argue with success, uh, the success that our local baseball program has turned out. A uh, couple of major leaguers, as you know, a couple of aces. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's funny that uh, we we talk about that because I'm I'm going to run through a list here. Scott Taylor, Andy Smith, Luke Haggerty, Christian Snavely. There's a name we recognize. Chad Billingsley, John Neese. There's a couple of aces for you. Tyler Burgoon, Justin Hancock, Dace Keim, Shay Murray, Anthony Kidston, and Shay Smitty. All from Defiance, man. I mean, you're doing something right.
0: That's just Defiance High School, right? I warmed up a major leaguer when I was a freshman in high school. Yeah, you did. uh, uh, In Defiance, but at a a tiny local school. Uh, Chad Reineke was a major leaguer. Um, And uh, I was a dumb kid warming him up in right field when he got taken off the mound. So he tried to kill me. (laughs)
1: Speaking of... um, your experience with majors. I I stopped baseball too early. I I I went on and played basketball, which I eventually loved more, but was infinitely less talented at. I probably <laughs> should have stuck with baseball. But you
0: actually I, didn't you hit a double off of one of those guys? Yeah, I, in Acme baseball, <laughs> I may have gotten a double off of a major league pitcher. Uh, we don't need to talk about it. I, you That's know, I cool man. I guess I'm not nearly as romantic about baseball as you are. I mean, I have the build for it. I went my school had a, my coach was like disowned me when I stopped playing. but I, I don't know. I just I would rather have picked up my guitar and baseball stole my entire summer. so I wanted to do almost uh, anything else. That's um, so why I'm forbidding my kids from playing. I I need to have some bit of a life.
1: I get it. Um, you know, you mentioned guitar. That's why I stopped playing sports. My dad said, Hey, I can run you all over to practice, but the chances of you playing professionally at five foot, I don't know, six, when I was in high school, 130 pounds, (laughs) my chance of playing collegiately anywhere at anything was pretty slim. So he said, I'll buy you a guitar. I'll buy you the guitar that you want. Um, if that means we're done with sports and, um, You know, we took that to its full end, I guess. Um, But, you know, there's a chance we're in defiance. There's some professional success. Maybe it's a half a percent. Um, That's probably too generous. Um, That's way too high, actually. But, you know, I just envision my son's name on there, Titus Franker. Otherwise, this is all worthless.
0: (laughs) Hey, you know, you were talking about guitars as your incentive to stop playing baseball. Did you know that when I was in high school, my parents made me a deal because I wanted to stop (laughs) playing baseball and I (laughs) wanted a guitar. And my mom and dad are like, "All right, we'll get him." I wanted this uh acrylic mockingbird. You know, oh, you know what I I'm talking about? Those. It's yeah. like see-through, uh green. It was like lime green. I was I was metal, I think, man. Yeah, Cold Chamber <laughs> played with those. Yeah, I was, you know me. I I was weezer of high school, but I was metal dude and uh they're like, "All right, if you hit a home run, uh you can we'll buy you a guitar." I did it that nice. night. Out of the park. Really? Uh and then they eventually like six months later bought me a guitar very begrudgingly uh but yeah man i just i just wanted to play guitar all summer that's why i i baseball always seemed kind of boring to me which i know is blasphemy i know it's blasphemy to a lot of people
1: don't Mm -hmm. hate man baseball's awesome why are you hating on baseball (laughs) i I, dude when i was a kid i i'm sorry we have this argument all the time Um, i know (laughs) you know there was a time when baseball was life and that was a simpler life I lived, breathed, ate, drank, slept baseball. I just don't get why you're always hating on baseball.
0: Yeah, no, I just would rather have been doing something else. That's that's all. I I, I understand the enjoyment of baseball. My barber always tells me, my barber and my friend, uh, that it's America's pastime. But it is. I don't see why that's like something that just passes time. Just so much time. It's so my speed. <laughs> <laughs> It is it pat pastime pastime past. Pa- passing time past, past like former like time like t? it's past no with an with a d I think it's t with an
1: it's, with a, it, d. it's a t at the end with <laughs> with a, with a with, d at, at the end, end.
0: pastime <laughs> uh, past like in reference to a hobby past time Actually hey I, I looked it up man it's pastime which is just p a s t i m e That's weird Let's not talk about it Let's yeah, on. five ep- episodes
1: into a podcast, and we've already been reduced to this. So, brother, what are we talking about today?
0: Well, Caleb, last episode, we talked about our hearts going on. We discussed mm-hmm. insurance, and we talked a lot about the Titanic, the movie, and the ship. Cue the music! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> However, we only talked really about life insurance. We came to the conclusion that term insurance is almost always a better option than any form of whole life universal variable uh universal variable variable universal whole permanent indexed whole all, all the options that we've got in there etc 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 yeah it we turns out term yeah we've turns out
1: we've got opinions on that um apparently a, about a half hour worth of opinions on it but that's good <laughs> it's good to fill in our, our our listeners um who maybe haven't listened to that episode um We arrived at that topic because of the drink that we chose first, the Jack Rose, which reminded us of Jack and Rose on the Titanic and how the Titanic was unsinkable except for those pesky icebergs. Um, (laughs) So icebergs being the major threats to a retirement plan. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that one yet, you may want to go back. Maybe you don't. (laughs) You should. (laughs) Uh, We're going to continue our discussion about icebergs today, and we aren't talking lettuce folks. Maybe cabbage, though.
0: A cabbage is slang for money, Caleb, so yes, in a way, we are talking about cabbage, which is yet another great tie into icebergs and the Mm -hmm. stuff that wrecks your financial plan. Uh, Today we had to think of a new drink to talk about to go along with other icebergs. What did we cometh up with, my man? (laughs) Yeah, so this was kind of off script um, from what we'd originally planned
1: out since we had so many opinions on life insurance. We kind of had to call an audible on the drinks here. Somehow we landed on Campari, uh, more specifically, the drinks made with Campari, the Negroni and the Americano
0: specifically. These are not any of David Embry's six essential cocktails. No, they are not. They are excluded in all kinds of cocktail books. Campari is an Italian liqueur. If you're not familiar, if you know about cocktails, you probably know about this Uh, Campari is. it has got a strong taste. Uh, it's bitter, man. And uh, some people used to drink it by itself. It's made by the Campari family. I think Gas- Gaspari Campari? Gaspar? That sounds right. Um, <laughs> it's Italian. Um, we Yeah, we tried both Americanos and Negronis and uh, stuck to the pretty classic recipes. So here they are. For the Americano, it's equal parts Campari sweet vermouth. We used Carpano Antica mm-hmm. and club soda. And for the Negroni, we use equal parts Campari, sweet vermouth and London dry gin instead of the club soda. That's what makes it a Negroni. Yeah. Uh, so this is
1: something that was really popular back in the day, back in the day. I don't know what day that was. Before but it, it time. Kind of, yes. Uh, I'd like to think of back in the day as a Tuesday but it, it kind of fell out of style, and uh, I have my own theory on why that is, Jason.
0: Tell us your opinion, my friend. I know you have a much more refined palate than I do. <laughs> my theory is that people
1: drank Campari because, well, it was available. And the mouthwash was all gone. <laughs> oh, cold. <laughs> and now we have good things to drink, so we don't like Campari anymore. <laughs> wow, man. That's, that's pretty harsh. I agree with you. It is really harsh. Like pickle juice meets toilet bowl cleaner harsh.
0: <laughs> I tasted the pickle juice. <laughs> I think my palate's getting fancy. <laughs> I, I didn't like it. <laughs> no, it's it's a really strong drink. And I, I mean, I did a little internet research. It wasn't really popping up in any of the cocktail books I had from like the early, like the turn of the century. So that makes me think the cocktails themselves are newer inventions. But man, that had a distinct taste i hadn't run into anyone in our small group of people that was trying it that had ever had it before uh-huh and to a person the face that people made when they tasted it was like uh, i don't know like they were trying not to gag a little you know it was
1: almost like um uh, is my palate so unrefined like should i be liking this and, and i'm not getting it I'm, I'm not i'm not doing it right or something it just
0: That's what I I felt
1: like. Yeah, it's been, it's so popular. It was kind of hard to get a hold of, which I, you know, I think sometimes we mistakenly take, it's hard to get a hold of. We mistake that with being really popular for a good reason. Like, oh, it's, it's really in demand. It's always out of stock. It's hard to find. It's like, you know, like Pappy Van Winkle or something. Yeah. We had a hard time finding Campari. And we should not have tried so hard.
0: Well, I think Campari is far easier to find than Pappy. Yes, but, definitely. <laughs> but it's just, man, I felt like like it was an elaborate prank being played on me, like to trick <laughs> yes. me. Like you know how like people do stuff that they really don't like, but everyone else seems to like it, so they're like, I should be enjoying this. Like like every high schooler taking their first drink of beer, yeah, right, or like junior high kid, like, oh yeah, oh I like that. Ugh. <laughs> That's what I felt like I was trying to be forced to be doing, but then I thought maybe I mean I didn't like beer and now I do, yeah. And I didn't like I hated coffee and then I started working third shift in a factory and I drank it by necessity. It was mostly mm-hmm. sugar and now I love coffee. So it- yeah, and you don't put any
1: sugar in it anymore. You're your not at all
0: have uh, have acquired or you have acquired
1: a better taste for coffee and the finer things and yeah. You, you think your palate has uh, evolved and maybe Campari. You know what? Maybe it's great stuff, and our palates just have not totally evolved there. I
0: want to give it that benefit of the doubt, because I know there's people out there that enjoy it, and I want to let people enjoy things. It's part of yeah. our mantra. Yeah, and, if you uh, like it, great. And it's got a rich history, and right? It seems, and it looks beautiful in a glass. It does. It looks great. Yeah. I really yeah. wanted to like it. So here, let me give you a little, a little history of the Negroni and the Americano, mm-hmm. uh, those two Campari-based cocktails. The Americano came first. Uh, It was a drink used by mixing Campari liqueur with Italian vermouth, the sweet red kind of vermouth, and then maybe adding some water in sparkling form to even out the bitterness. Uh, So like club soda or soda water uh, Mm -hmm. were commonly added. The Negroni is a variation on the Americano that replaces the soda with gin, which we thought we would like even more. So so far, so good. Yeah, we're gin fans. Uh, So (laughs) it's pretty clear that Gaspar Campari invented the Americano. Uh, He's the guy that invented Campari, the liqueur, for obvious reasons. But it's less clear on who invented the Negroni. Uh, There's a lot of different stories of who came in and had the bright idea of saying, I don't want water. I want gin instead. Uh, (laughs) Genius, man. Uh, but genius. (laughs) These are pretty popular drinks, but are nowhere mentioned by David Embry and his fine art of mixing drinks, like I said. Nor are they listed in my copy of the Savoy Cocktail Book, which probably means they are a mid-century drink. So think of like 1940s and 50s. But nowadays, if you order a Negroni at a bar that knows what it is, you're likely to get something that has more gin than Campari instead of the historical equal parts formula. Well, probably, God bless them. Yeah, probably because so many people can't <laughs> handle the in-your-face astringent bitter taste of the Campari. And I know I fall into that camp, and sounds like you do too.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to describe it, astringent. Um, yeah,
0: it's, uh, it feels like it's cleaning your mouth for sure.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I you know, I sort of think of this as like... Um, you know, growing up, my dad always ate grapefruits for breakfast and he said, oh, man, I, I love a grapefruit in the morning and I can't think of anything worse in the morning than a grapefruit. Um, that's kind of what it reminded me of, like people that like this probably really, really like it, but most people and eh, it's, it's it's not for me. Um, I really wanted to like the Americano and it's funny. We talked about coffee because I like the Americano and the coffee. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the espresso drink, right? Yes. yes. I really like the Americano, so I don't know why. I think I had something in my head like maybe this is going to be like the Americano of cocktails. It was not. Uh, so again, <laughs> folks, if you want to make the drink we made and I can't honestly recommend it, uh, you mix one part sweet red or Italian vermouth, one part dry gin and uh, one part <coughs> uh,
0: campari. Hey, you might love it. So give it a shot. It's an exciting cocktail. Tons of people out there like it. So, you know, we Tons just of people just, can't be wrong, right? It, I don't, it, it just didn't do it for us, man. We we and we were both trying really hard to like it.
1: We we tried on more than one occasion, um, but that's just, you know, so far, I think we've liked everything we've tried. And for a little bit there, I was thinking, uh, I don't know. Do we just do we just like cocktails? Um, and I think this was kind of a reality check.
0: So. Yeah yeah man
1: well not to kill all the fun man let's get into the finance topic a little bit let's get back to the icebergs our heart must go on and on and
0: on and on on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it turns out there's a lot of things that could wreck your financial plan. So maybe we, we kind of went off half cocked thinking that we'd get all these in one episode because there's a lot of things to talk about. I want, we want to talk about life insurance. We want to talk about disability insurance, long term care insurance, health insurance, umbrella and liability coverage. We haven't even talked about emergency funds as a risk management tool. So there's a lot of ground to cover. I told you before we started this episode, I wanted to talk a lot about health insurance because it's what I spent a little bit of time looking at. We help clients with health insurance. We don't sell insurance. We're not licensed insurance salespeople, and we don't usually do things for commission. So this is really just, we're when just learning. When you say
1: usually, Jason,
0: you mean never. Oh, well, yeah, never right, right <laughs> now, as of the as of the recording of this podcast. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I want to talk about let's let's talk about health insurance. Health insurance is like the broadest most people have some experience with needing health insurance mm-hmm. or understanding it. And thankfully, we are in a country where employers have been offering it mostly. It's been different through healthcare reform over the last boy, 20 years it's, we've been talking about it a lot. 8 to 12 years it's been real different. Yeah. And it's been changed pretty drastically. But, you know, for as far as when you have a job and your employer provides health care, well, that's what that's where I want to start. And if that's the case, that's awesome, because usually you're not having to do any screenings, you're getting group coverage. So you are uh, probably getting a lower price overall. It might still seem like a lot depending on how much your employer is covering. But yeah, uh, it's a if great it seems place like to a
1: lot. Go out to the exchange and see how much it costs.
0: It, right, so that's that's the first place to look, obviously, for good health coverage. There are a lot of misnomers about healthcare. So first, I, let's air our grievances about the state of healthcare. We're in the United States of America, which I think is a pretty good country, as far Still the as the best. I, I, we got we've got liberty that's unrivaled, I think, in the world. We might not be the happiest. Uh, We might overwork. We've got it pretty good in a lot of ways. And our healthcare is world-class, the science, the stuff we can do. It's amazing talking to my 94-year-old grandfather about healthcare when he was young versus how it is now. Uh,
1: Recently turned 94, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Just a month
1: ago. Man, he's a modern marvel. He's a great man. Shout out to Mel. I know you're not listening, but gosh, (laughs) God bless you.
0: Yeah, he's a teetotaler, so... I hope he's not listening. <laughs> Let's not shout out my teetotaling grandfather on our cocktails podcast. It's not endorse us in your system anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Mel. <laughs> anyway, he's a great man and uh, medical science has changed drastically from back then, <laughs> uh, though I did just hear a friend of mine's father has a rare condition where the prescribed treatment is actually bloodletting really yeah like something that you thought you would only do if you were trying to kill someone
1: is bad yeah, that's funny <laughs> i guess in the last podcast we shouted out another podcast so we might as well do it here um one of our favorite comedians nate bargatze um i say the king of clean comedy in my opinion i Whoa. like him better than jim gaffigan and i love me some jim gaffigan but he has a podcast called nate land and it's really good. I recommend it. They were talking about the Middle Ages and uh, the medical treatment, bloodletting. It was a pretty pretty funny segment to check out. So
0: y'all check it out. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> hey, that reminds me of my favorite fantasy book while we're plugging stuff. It's the Kingkiller Chronicles. <laughs> and the first book of that is called The Name of the Wind. It's by Patrick Rothfuss. Highly recommend it to everyone, even though oh, yeah. there's a good chance that the third and final book of the trilogy will, will never come out. But never. I don't disregard that. The first two books are so enjoyable that you should read them, even if the third one never does come out. But in that book, the protagonist, Kvoth is going to university and he's getting quizzed on his admissions. And uh, the guy in the the Medica, Master Arwill, asks him, when would you leech a patient? And he says, uh, when you want him to die? <laughs> I thought that was clever. But then I found out my friend's dad is getting leached. It's, they're not using actual leeches, but they're, they're draining blood his lighting. blood on. Yeah, it's, you know, whatever that is for. I didn't know that they still did that, but it no. makes sense in his situation. So the point is, our Sorry. medical care is great. <laughs> the access to medical care is debatable. And depending on your situation, it can be kind of hard. I've never personally had a problem, but that could be because of where I am and that I'm thankful. Thank God pretty healthy. Uh, yeah. You don't, so,
1: you don't need a lot of medical attention to this point,
0: which, you know, that, that makes it easier for me. So folks that have uh, recurring and chronic illnesses, mm-hmm. uh, with diseases, this is a huge issue for, and a cause of a lot of stress for lots of folks. So yeah. the first place you obviously look for healthcare is your job. If your employer provides it, they probably provide a PPO. They might also offer a high deductible health plan. And you have to decide which one to take. We've all got experience with them. I have had PPOs, HMOs. I don't, they don't have those anymore, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, high de- I've had high deductible health plans. I've had self-insurance. And I've used a sharing organization, a, a, a Christian sharing. It's like a charity that pays for it, which is weird. And I know it sounds really weird. Uh, it- but it actually has worked out the best for me. It's kind oh, of,
1: I, I almost uh, categorize that as self-insurance. It's like group self-insurance, sort of.
0: Well, it's not insurance. It is it, a charity. Correct. Uh, it's a 501c3. I'll talk about that a little at the well, end, I guess, when I we have say, other options. When I
1: say insurance, let's define insurance. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's the transfer of risk. That By definition, insurance is the transfer of risk. So, um, in a way, it kind of is. <laughs> um, to piggyback on what you said about um, you know this being such a big deal for a lot of folks, I find too in the retirement planning process that when I'm working with a client who financially could retire um, but maybe doesn't, a, a lot of times the linchpin that this is all uh, hinging on is health insurance. How do you make up for paying for health insurance? You know, maybe you want to retire at sixty. And all things considered, excluding insurance, you could make that work, but you got to figure out a way to pay for insurance. How many times do we run into that where health insurance may be the sole purpose that someone continues to work?
0: And yeah. sometimes
1: at a job that they hate. It, Healthcare it's,
0: it's, is it's the biggest hindrance to... Early retirement to financial yeah, independence because definitely. it's it's expensive, and the a lot of times the cheapest way is to get it through your employer. So we do have a lot of folks that put off retirement until Medicare age, and Medicare kicks in at sixty five. It's a a hurdle to get over for sure, and we we experiment with all different options for you know self insurance to using a a sharing organization to buying it on the exchange to using Cobra. Uh, but, you know, at your employer, picking a PPO versus a high deductible plan is really going to be based off of your individual circumstance. I yeah. tend to encourage folks to really consider a high deductible plan because if you're relatively healthy, especially, it's usually the least out of pocket annually and yeah. you have the option to save into a health savings account.
1: Yeah, let's um, say you have a young family, uh, relatively healthy, you know, maybe the kids are going in for an annual screening or whatever. but I don't know, you like me. (laughs) The only time I've gone to the doctor in the last 10 years was because work paid me to do it. (laughs) Um, Aside from that, you know, knock on wood, you know, the kids go in for a random ear infection here and there. A high deductible plan is probably sufficient. But let's be honest, high deductible plans are probably the way of the future. I mean, a lot of companies, even even school systems and things like that, are you know who are known for their benefits are introducing high deductible plans as an op- as an option, and I think that we're we're gravitating towards that more and more. That's something maybe we can talk about a little bit later. Because if you do elect a high deductible plan, there are some options for you to do some different saving strategies, investing strategies outside of that to complement your your plan. But yeah, I agree with you, young family relatively healthy, you're going to have lower premiums, you know, you're going to have higher out-of-pocket expenses, but there still is a cap on most of those usually. So I look at that as kind of a catastrophic health plan. But for for people, you and I, you know, our age uh, with families, our size and things like that, that's kind of what we're insuring for is catastrophe. And in a way,
0: I kind of lean towards recommending everyone go that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem is if you have like things that are going to get you every month, you know, like a diabetic that needs insulin or, or something like that is going to be that's really going to add up. And that's really going to depend on the kind of prescription plan you have. And a lot of high deductible plans don't have that built in. Like you your out of pocket maximum could be really high and it could mm-hmm. not cover prescriptions. But another important thing to talk about is to kind of wedge the emergency fund in here. If you have a high deductible health plan, you've got to have enough money to pay that deductible. And it's yeah. going to be high. That's in the name. So uh, having six Yes, yeah, are
1: advertising it. No secrets.
0: Yeah, no. It's a high deductible. That's the benefit of this plan. Uh, is the worst part, but the trade-off for it is pretty good. It, as long as you can get yourself, you know, a good, healthy emergency fund, and we can debate on that. Three to six months of your expenses is a great place to start. Uh, when you go too much over that, I have arguments against it unless you've got that money earmarked for specific emergencies. But if you're earmarking it for things, it's a sinking fund then and not an emergency fund anymore.
1: A sinking fund is not a bad idea. Great idea. You know, a high deductible health plan. Absolutely. Um, There's some tax advantage ways to uh, plan for that, too, which we can Mm -hmm. get into here in a little bit.
0: Definitely. First, look at work. Look at the plans you have. I know it's no fun, Uh, If you've got a good financial planner, they should look at your options with you. So that's if through work. But Caleb, Uh what if you can't get insurance through work? What if your work doesn't offer it? Oh, Oh, that's... Or what if you're unemployed?
1: Yeah, that's tough. Um, The exchange is there for a reason. Um, You know, you can go through your your state exchange. Brought to you by Uh, (laughs) healthcare.gov. Let's stray away from the politics of all of it. There are options and... I would say that recalling back to uh, the topic, uh, I, I guess we kind of mentioned about, you know, clients wanting to retire early, but maybe they hang on a little longer because of health Depending on your income, really, that's what the uh, premiums are going to be based on is what your income is. So I think a lot of folks say, hey, I could retire all things considered at 60 except for health care you might still be able to retire depending on uh what kind of income you're claiming. The lower the income, the more affordable the premiums are. And again, if you're if you're pretty healthy in general, a lot of those plans out there, you know, when we go to healthcare.gov and we look, uh, a lot of those plans are real similar to the the PMOs that you're used to seeing through an employer. So there are some options. I tell everybody, don't resign to the fact that retiring early before and I when I say early, I think what what when I hear retiring early, I think before sixty five, which is Medicare age. If that's the only thing holding you back, uh, you know, look at your options. I I, I think that there are, there are some better options than what a lot of people think. You know, I can think of a, a client in particular who her husband's going to be sixty five years old and he's going to hang it up uh, in January next year. She would like to retire and spend all that time with him, uh, but she's going to be sixty two at that time. So she's got basically, in her mind, three years of a gap to make up before she can go on Medicare. And she's heard a lot of horror stories, 11 dollars 1200 monthly premiums. Well, if that's the case, you might as well go back to work. You might as well keep working. It's not necessarily the case based on the, the Social Security income they're going to draw and things like that. I think it's a lot more affordable than what a lot of folks think. You hear the horror stories and things like that, and some of them are founded, but I, I wouldn't let that stop you. I-, I guess you and I, we when we talk about retirement planning and things like that, I-, I think we have the same mindset. You can't take anything with you. You work hard for a lot of years to enjoy retirement. I wouldn't just give up simply on, I, I-, I can't retire before 65 because I can't get Medicare until then. There are options.
0: Uh, it's worth checking out. Cobra options, if you have to pay for it, that's one option. If you leave a job or you're mm-hmm. fired- uh, Which just got more
1: affordable with the American Rescue Plan, by the way.
0: Yeah, and, and you know it was because it was not the biggest drawback of Cobra was you can Cobra is the omnibus come on, is in there yeah. extra extra <laughs> credits if you can remember it. I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. Two financial oh, planners no. we can <laughs> Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act. There it is. I've remembered it. it. Is. I Reconciliation.
1: Knew it. That's what I was stuck on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a budget act. So the thing that's is, why omnibus is OB.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, oh yeah, no, budget is B. Oh, budget, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I have an <laughs> <idiot>. <laughs> It's okay that you don't remember what every abbreviation in the world stands for, especially ones that the federal government puts together. Hey, there's a lot of them. (laughs) There are so many. (laughs) We joke about it a lot. But uh, but Cobra Options is basically that said, if you leave your job and you have employer-sponsored healthcare, you can continue it. The problem is you have to pay for it, and you could end up paying more for it than what your employer paid for it. There's some caps on that. But the American Rescue Plan... Has helped with some of that. So yeah. right now, if you lost your job, there is some good relief for that. Uh, you still have to pay something.
1: Yeah. I mean, not to sidetrack us here, but American Rescue Plan says that uh, the company will pay the premiums and they'll be reimbursed through a tax credit. So I guess if you're thinking about early retirement, maybe, <laughs> I got to be real careful. Maybe can convince your employer to fire you instead. <laughs>
0: Work that tax code, folks. Work that tax code. If you can. Make sure it's legal. Consult a qualified professional before you do anything. Your situation is fact dependent. Your mileage may vary. But yeah, check out Cobra if you do lose your job. Otherwise, check out the marketplace. Uh, You said uh, something about maybe getting a discount or credits, and you can. I looked it up earlier. It's something like if you're between 100% and 400% of the federal poverty line, you're going to probably get some sort of credit back yeah, uh, yeah on the was, price for marketplace plans. It was
1: raised to 400. I, I admit that I looked at the American Rescue Plan probably more in-depth than most, but I certainly don't know it by heart. So uh, I think for most, at least as of now, this year, that's raised to 400% of the poverty line. So that's, I mean, that covers some ground.
0: Can I talk about exploring alternative healthcare?
1: You can. And I, I would... I would love it if you would.
0: All right. Well, there's these things. I started selling for this company that has an oil for everything. All. Instead of health insurance, have you considered uh, lavender? (laughs) That kind of (laughs) all. Have you considered eucalyptus extract, Caleb? Oh, boy. I know that you have strep, but... No, that was just to irritate any of our essential oils fans <laughs> here, out there.
1: Here, put this oil in your ear and you'll be all right.
0: No, no, alternative healthcare, not uh not, you know, mysticism and spirits, but uh you know, <laughs> there are for, if you're <laughs> Thanks for clarifying, Jason. <laughs> if you if you are a Christian listener, uh and and I, we we're Christian, uh Caleb, I think it's okay to tell people that. Um I hope so. And there's probably some other uh <laughs> There's probably some other organizations out there, but uh, things like um, uh, that's, I can't remember the one Christian Healthcare Ministries, Samaritans, something or other. There's all sorts of sharing organizations where people have basically banded together to support each other's medical needs, and some of them are weirder than others. Uh, some of them, like you're getting like checks for thirty-five dollars from Joe Smith uh, across the the country, uh, but other ones are you know more consolidated, and and you get a bill and. You have to submit it for reimbursement and you get reimbursed. Um, so basically just a whole giant group of people sharing each other's bills keeps costs self-insuring. down and insuring.
1: Yeah, self-insuring. They're they're doing what the insurance companies do on a much, much smaller scale.
0: Yeah. And they've got, you know, if you if you don't abide by their uh rules, you you may not qualify. Uh, but they're really the same as uh, most other insurance rules. Like they don't well, want you to be a chronic smoker.
1: Yeah, let, let's and- talk about that a little bit. What do the insurance companies do? You pay premiums mm-hmm. most of the time. You don't use the money. Um, so again, you know, we kind of have a, we've talked about insurance in the past. You hope that you're paying for something that you never use. You hope you're setting that money on fire. Yeah. Anyway, the money goes into a pool, and there's enough money there when someone needs it that the need is taken care of. The insurance company makes money, which always happens. Insurance companies always make money. Disclaimer, folks: insurance companies always make money. Hey,
0: they've been hit before, but yeah, I you're right.
1: For crying out loud, watch a football game. Three out of five commercials during your commercial <laughs> break are insurance companies. I think they're making money. They they do a good job at what they do. And, you know, I think you look at the the sharing uh, programs, and that's sort of what they're doing. Let's pull our money together, and mm-hmm. when someone has a need, we're going to take care of each other and. You know, I can't really speak uh, from experience how that's worked. You can,
0: yeah, um, and I will'll share I'll share some anecdotes. yeah, um, please. Uh, so i I've had five kids. Well, my wife and I one, together two, three, four,
1: not one, not two, not three. No. not four.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five kids, five in a row. <laughs> in a row. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I together have. I mean she's done most of the work. <laughs> but I supported her through it, and she is a superhero. But she is. Uh, the I had different insurance for several of them. For the last three, I've been on with Christian Healthcare Ministries, which I do. They're not a sponsor; they don't pay me anything. Uh, I recommend it to folks if, as long as you can uh, follow their rules. And and I'll talk about the pains of it, the bad side of it. But I was with a large regional bank, had a PPO, went down to the the uh, HMO, the the in-network-only stuff. Um, I paid a lot more for my first three kids Mm -hmm. than I did for my my first two. I think the last three I had on the... Yeah, the last three I had on the sharing company. But for the first two kids, the PPO was the most expensive to have a baby with. The HMO was the second most expensive, and I did everything in network. And then the other three, I had to enter into medical billing... Heck, one hundred and one. I was. I had to learn how it was all done because when yeah. you go in, this is the downside. When you have traditional insurance, the hospitals know how it works. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to bill your insurance. When they'll negotiate with us, you're out of the loop. You don't even know how much your surgery costs. You have no idea how much the MRI yeah. costs. Well, and I'll they tell do you the
1: this. for you.
0: They do all that for you. Well, when you have this sharing organization, you do all the work on your own. Yeah. So I'm finding out the cost of every single thing. And then finally getting a smaller hospital on our side, we were able to negotiate how much gauze they left out. Like, Hey, don't mm-hmm. open that. We might not yeah. need it. Like don't use that saline bag. We might not need it. So don't just don't open, open it.
1: that bottle of antiseptic until I need it.
0: Right. So we're like and when I, and when I'm
1: paying for it. You make sure I get it when I leave here. Cause I'm paying for it.
0: Yeah. And they were, they were all of a sudden I could see the doors open and I saw what every single thing that they were billing for. And we could, we started negotiating on it. Now, that was now fun like it's the, our medical billing and the the medical system in the country is really confusing it is not well, ideal if you watch matlock <laughs> 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 matlock
1: <laughs> you'll notice uh, commercials about uh you know certificate programs for medical billing and things like that because you can't just throw joe schmoe in there to figure out joe uh to, to figure out medical billing it's a it is a specialized area for sure.
0: It's a pain. So if you can handle that, my my uh, rebuttal to folks are like, it's so much of a pain to go in there and have to negotiate room bills. I'm like, it's a pain anyway. When you get billed for the same thing six times and you're like, I don't, did I already pay? Is my insurance handling this? I don't, uh-huh. What? I don't even know what's happening. So it's all confusing anyway. This, I felt like I had more control. That was one of the pros of it. Um, the problem is you go into the hospital. This is the worst part. Every time you go in for a checkup, like I'm taking my second oldest in to see, have her eyes checked. I'm like, do you have your insurance card? <laughs> I don't have insurance. You, you don't what? have, in, you don't have insurance. <laughs> I'm, should I call ch- child protective services? <laughs> like, no, I'm self pay. Like I've, I can pay for it. I'm going to figure it out. (laughs) Oh, They're like, uh, they're like, no, they go the other, other way. Oh, I see. It's okay. We help lots of really poor people. (laughs) And I'm like, I, that's fine. I don't care. Treat me like I'm poor. In fact, give me the form to file for forgiveness. So you can negotiate with hospitals. There's endless forms to fill out. Um, You're going to try to get stuff forgiven anyway. And I tell you what, if you have five kids, your threshold is really high. Uh-huh. for what actually makes you uh, impoverished so um, or low anyway uh-huh. you can have more money and still be poor the more kids you have did you know that yeah <laughs>
1: You know I think what? that's common I mean, knowledge.
0: So uh, really, this is a personal preference. I just, I just want people to know that that exists, especially for folks that want to retire early and you're pretty healthy. Uh, yeah. That is a great option because it's not that expensive. It's covering catastrophic things as long as you make sure that it is covering catastrophic things. Uh, you might be able to bridge that gap.
1: I, you know, Jason, and I don't mean to cut you off. Hey! We could, we could <laughs> go on and on and on about health insurance. I think the, the theme there is there are a lot of options. Don't be afraid to get your financial advisor involved. I mean, that, that can be the difference in retiring now or five years from now. And that may be unnecessary to work at a job that you hate that's causing you stress, that's making you less healthy, Healthy. that's yeah. causing you to use the insurance. You know, there are a lot of options we can help you figure that stuff out. That's not a commercial, but I mean, involve your financial advisor. It is a retirement decision in that regard.
0: I, I like to be involved in that just so we can point if, if for no other reason than to help vet a good health insurance salesman, because some of them are good and know their stuff and they can really help yeah, you absolutely. out. Absolutely. I know we rag on insurance salesmen a lot, but <laughs> if you can find a good one, you cling to them just because they sell insurance doesn't mean they're a bad person. True. It just so happens that a lot of bad people sell insurance.
1: Well, a lot of people like money. A lot of bad people like money, and insurance is a good way to make
0: money. We're financial advisors. Bernie Madoff had our job, so I I guess we are are not bad financial advisors. (laughs) That's why we're doing a podcast. That's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So um, some other things, uh, other icebergs that we should look at, Jason. I think of disability insurance, umbrella insurance, long-term care insurance. There's a a Ah, lot of different things we can jump into. Caleb, I've got to say
0: now, we've gone long and long-term care deserves its own episode. We have had some of the most impassioned discussions around our clients, our own family situations, around long-term care as a financial planning topic. So I think we We really have. I think we need to cut that to its own episode because at some point you (laughs) might need long-term care insurance, long-term care you, maybe, you probably have experience with a family member that has needed long-term care. So that touches well, a lot of yeah. folks.
1: If you're 65 years or older, what do the numbers say? 70% of you will need long-term care. That's a lot uh, in case uh, you don't know. And so <laughs> when we're dealing with, I, I would say maybe 70% of our clients are retired or close to retirement. We're dealing with a lot of folks who need long-term care. I agree. That is an episode in itself. Maybe we tie that to... Uh, I don't know gin and tonics. Oh yes, like with that. gin and
0: tonics in order or in <laughs> honor of Grandma We'll yeah. with the gin and tonic long-term care episode.
1: Well, well Jason, you've blogged extensively about uh, like umbrella insurance and disability insurance. We have a few
0: minutes to talk about that. Yeah, I can distill that down pretty quick. Uh, I'm ooh. I am I am ooh distilling. I like that. I accidentally punned. That's great for this that show. was an accident. That was genius. yeah. No, I mean I am a very clever and smart man. Gold Jerry Gold. <laughs> so, uh, first, long-term disability insurance. Uh, aside from dying, becoming disabled is probably the most real threat to your financial plan while you're working. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a job like mine where I just sit here sometimes behind a dangerous <laughs> microphone with a heavy pen, I have to I had to have carpal tunnel release surgery. My job is so extensive. It's it's a uh, it's still. I could still get whopped in the head and not be able to do my job. I could trip leaving my office. I'm pretty clumsy sometimes. But if you uh-huh. do a job that's slightly more dangerous, your premiums might be higher. But long term disability insurance is a necessity. You need let's, it.
1: Yeah. Let's say you're a doctor or a dentist. Someone whose job relies on their hands. You know. Uh, <laughs> think about that. I mean, there's people really, can't see
0: you putting know, your hands know, I'm putting out. My hands up like dramatically if
1: if you're a and i i I guess i understand modern medicine's fantastic robots do a lot of things uh when it comes to surgery and things like that but if if you're a surgeon you know i i think of that one that's the the first thing that comes to mind if you Um, think
0: for a living if you do anything it's just you need to replace your income if something happens to you yeah um you don't want to rely on uh ssi the social security insurance it's not that much I
1: also think of pregnancy, you know, short-term disability, but there's a lot of complications that you've had five kids, I've had two kids, we've dealt with complications, and you can see short-term and long-term disabilities that could come out of that. That's one that I think is important to think about, too, is, you know, pregnancy. If there's a chance of you getting pregnant, uh, having kids, um, you you probably should have something in place.
0: Pregnancy is not a disability, Caleb. No, 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 but it can lead to it. It could. It would increase risks. Right. Yeah. I, so short-term disability, I, that's a la carte. I'm usually pretty against signing up for that. If you've got an emergency fund and good health insurance, you're probably set for short-term disability. But the Aflac duck is always around trying to get you that. Long-term disability is a necessity. You need it. I, if you're working and if people depend on your income, you need to get it. If you can get it through work, through a group policy, that's good enough. That's do that. That's usually the way to go. That's the I way agree. to go. If you do not get it through work, if you're self-employed, if uh, it's not offered to you, Talk to a reputable insurance agent and get some long-term disability. They should be able to cover you. There's a lot. Of, it's complicated when you get into it and there's a lot of nuance, but talk to them. Make sure that they make you feel good, that they understand your situation and what your goals are. Get some good long-term disability insurance there. That was my quick version of that. There's still a few minutes. Yeah.
1: No, that's. but it's important. I think it's one that is really easy to forget about. We think about life insurance. We think about long-term care insurance. Obviously, we think about health insurance. Uh, disability though uh, presents a real a real
0: threat. So it's the most um, overlooked of all of these insurances. I think is the disability r- insurance.
1: I, I agree. Uh, well, maybe not as overlooked as umbrella insurance, which you know we could talk about real quick.
0: Yeah, the reason that's overlooked is because people think that they have liability coverage through their homeowner's policy, through their auto policy, and you do you have up to a limit. And the reason that we don't talk about Uh, Umbrella policies that You and I grew up on farms So I think we took it for granted That everybody knew what these were about um, Because there's a lot of liability When you have a farm There's a lot of assets there uh, Not necessarily liquid assets And a lot of Mm -hmm. risk There's PTO shafts are dangerous they will almost suck you un- in there yeah almost <laughs> unlimited risk for saying so, out loud basically for uh, the short version of umbrella insurances i don't talk to people about that until their net worth is over a million dollars which you know mm-hmm. that's a pretty low threshold unless they have some other high-risk thing like people running a daycare in their house or they have a pool if you have a pool you have an attractive nuisance, the insurance people call it. Yeah. You should probably have some sort of extra liability coverage. An umbrella... A tree house that's 20 feet in yeah, the air. Caleb, <laughs> if you got a tree house up in the air that all the neighborhood kids might want to come and jump out of, you should have an umbrella policy. <laughs> yeah, so it, if your, your homeowner's insurance policy, what I was going to say, your homeowner's insurance policy your auto policy, that'll cover a liability up to a certain amount. An umbrella policy basically kicks in after that amount. So check out having that if you've got some liability. If you're really wealthy, this is a no-brainer to have it because you are a target. So if, you're, if you've got a really significant net worth and your kid is just learning how to drive and gets into an accident with somebody whose attorney is like, hey, I know whose kid that is. Mm-hmm. Let's get them. It, it, sadly, it does. You, you need to have that extra liability coverage. So that's my spiel on umbrella insurance. It's, it's a must if your net worth is decent or you have extensive liabilities.
1: Folks, you need to at least look into it. I think like any other uh, insurance-related topic, sometimes we don't look because we think it's an expense. We hope we never use it. So what are we looking for? We're looking for something to throw our money away at. That's kind of tough. But you know, when you think about the actuary uh, side of it and the probability of something happening, it could happen. But really, coverage uh, for these things, in most cases, I think is going to be cheaper than what you think. You know, It's like anything else. Add it to the budget add it as a line item, um, at least research it. Uh, If you're having issues with trying to figure out how much you need, work with your financial advisor. That's what we're here for. We can talk about investment returns all day long, but if one of these icebergs hits, it doesn't matter if you return 25% or 20% uh, if you don't have the proper coverage. So this is not an insurance commercial, but it's important to think about that's where we stand. We save long-term care for another episode. We'll hit some Jen and Tanias for that one. I think it's time for the next segment, which is... Questions.
0: Straight up. Today's question comes from Curtis. He says, I'm single and I share custody of my son. How much can I contribute to an HSA if he's covered under my high deductible plan?
1: Okay, so this is a pretty timely topic. I I would look at it this way. Uh, Contribution limits went up a little bit for 2021. For a single, it's typically $3,600. That's up 50 bucks from last year and $7,200 for a family, okay? So if you're claiming your son as a dependent, you should be able to max out uh, that $7,200. Uh, $7, be careful, the $7,200 limit is inclusive of your employer's contributions as well. So that's a cumulative. But that's a really good question that goes well with the insurance topic. Uh, Jason, for those out there who are not aware of an HSA or how they work, give us a general idea of what an HSA is, how it works.
0: Sure. An HSA is a health savings account. If you have a high deductible plan, you can usually contribute to it. Sometimes your employer will also make contributions, maybe matching contributions to it. And uh, you basically, yeah, you you put money in and it's pre-tax and if you use it for a qualified reason. It's tax free. Uh, Those qualifications may vary, but here's a cool bonus part of the HSA and what some people are doing: they're funding the HSA with pre-tax dollars, and then they're cash flowing out of other money, their health expenses Mm -hmm. expenses, and they let that HSA grow tax deferred, just like an IRA. And here's something cool: you can invest that money. Uh, yeah. You know, in stocks and bonds. And if you find an HSA place, that'll do it. And if you let it grow all the way till you're 65, when, by the way, you're much more likely to need health care. <laughs> yes. uh, you can take the money out for that then. Or at 65, you can take the money out for any reason. That's what the tax mm-hmm. rules are right now. So basically, we've got a great tax deferred savings vehicle that could be completely tax free when you take the money out.
1: Yeah, if you're maxing out your 401k contributions, or let's say you're making good money, you can't contribute to a Roth IRA. It's just another, (laughs) uh, we say it all the time, work that tax code. That's a way to make the tax code work in your favor. Uh, So that's really, uh, it's a great idea. If you can invest it, if you can hold off on using that cash flow at another way. As of today, the average retiree is estimated to spend $250,000 on healthcare related expenses. Ooh, That's today. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a great way to, uh, defer some, some taxes, uh, save for something that you're almost certainly going to use down the road. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out y'all. So this is the part of the show when we invite our listeners to speak easy about whatever's on their mind. See what we did here. I see. This is a great place to share a recipe or a story or any thoughts or questions or even emotional outbursts. So, Jason, did we have anything come into the speakeasy this week? Boy,
0: did we. It's like we, did. we got to this episode and people are starting to chime in. So I am, I am stoked out of my mind about reading <laughs> some of these uh, speakeasy comments we have. So here's a comment that we got, I think, from Facebook, from Sean. He says, uh, presumably to you. Your buddy sounds like the old computer game. You don't know Jack. LOL. <laughs> 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 I, 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 he's talking about me. Wow. What an You don't know Jack. That guy was kind of a smart aleck and really, really kind of mean. Oh. I'll take it as fun. high praise. I remember that's playing cool. that uh, over at my best friend's house in elementary school quite often on his computer on his Gateway 2000. Wait a minute. That's Dan. Are you talking about my best, best friend, friend from elementary school? All right, yeah. You really know how to. Uh, you really know how to hurt a guy. <laughs> Cameron says, "Leave the cocktails and investing to these yuppies. Let's get together and drink some beers and talk about buying toys." I think that that was. I think that's supposed to be disparaging, but I took it as a compliment.
1: Hey, yuppies! I'll take it. <laughs> that's an up.
0: That's an upgrade over what we probably actually are.
1: We got a strong opinion out of somebody, so I guess someone's (laughs) listening. Thank you, Cameron.
0: E.W. Mendez says, it has a certain I don't know what. He says, I knew you guys were destined for greatness back in the day, walking the halls of Holgate Elementary circa 1990. (laughs) Well played. Yeah, for a lot of people that don't know, Caleb and I went to elementary school together. Uh, in kindergarten, a we, little ro- bit. we rode the bus together. It's how we met.
1: <laughs> and then we didn't talk for a while.
0: Yeah, and then we came, became the best of friends.
1: And we're the two best friends <laughs> that anyone could ever have.
0: <laughs> Findef says, the podcast about cocktails and finance. I liked it. Cassie says, All right. <laughs> <laughs> Cassie says, perfect blend of informative and entertaining. Well done, guys. Pun game is strong. All Uh, right. Thanks, Cassie. Yeah, I had that accidental one earlier. I got to try to do them more on purpose. (laughs) Carrie says, I just listened. I'm intrigued. Here's to a successful podcast. Cheers. Thanks, Carrie. All right, cheers. Tink. (laughs) John says, the fact that this exists makes me so happy. Oh. Thanks, John. Thank you, John. I'm I'm happy that it exists for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I got one here. Oh, go Yeah. I got, I yeah. got
0: more, man. I got more. Oh, you do, yeah. Go, go ahead. Let me blast through these. I'm going to share this one for last. Okay, okay, you got a good one. Chuck <laughs> says, "Sounds intriguing, Jason and Caleb. So if Jason is giving the podcast, is Caleb the bartender? <laughs> I'm going to keep giving this podcast every keep week. Giving that podcast, <laughs> and I'll keep tending the bar. <laughs> Amanda says, "Clever men, these two. That sounds like." We might be criminals. Evan says uh, <laughs> Evan says I feel oddly motivated to drink fancy cocktails and pay off debt. Well done. Good. There it is. We got someone, we reached them. Huzzah. Huzzah. It, it worked. <laughs> and Dan says, For the record, I have never wanted to be in the same room as two financial advisors my entire <laughs> as much in my entire life. Well done, guys. That's some high uh, praise and some, some low blows.
1: Yeah, hey, I'll take it uh so this one I, I thought this was a fantastic review uh that came in on the facebook page on, on the friend face <laughs> what a rad podcast i very much enjoyed your collective tone while i listened i took some notes mind you i was driving then snowboarding so my notes aren't as cohesive as they could be enjoy the mess we will i have no retirement i have no savings account i have no investments sounds like a dr seuss book i have no assets are pogs worth anything? <laughs> A month or two ago, I had $25 in my bank account, but I overdrew it. I've never thought about finances because I've always been broke. I'm drinking water, not a cocktail. And I still very much enjoyed it. The calm, accessible presentation from Caleb and Jason is very reminiscent of Josh and Chuck of Stuff You Should Know.
0: Oh, I should check that out.
1: High praise. Uh, That's one of the best podcasts out there. Oh, Um, all right. Or at least best reviewed. Plus, somehow recognizing Jason's voice was neat.
0: <laughs> I'm very famous.
1: <laughs> I agree with Jason on not buying things you can't afford up front. I bought a car once on payments, but I didn't own it. The bank did. That felt terrible. I understand your podcast might not be for folks without finances, but I hope <laughs> my two cents still tickles you and perhaps provides a fun perspective. Well, that it does. Oh, yeah. Um, I did get to episode two, and I liked it as much as one. Jason, my shoulders are horrible and sleep <laughs> destroys them. I found no solutions, but I feel your pain. I've never seen a James Bond movie. I didn't understand the gold thing. Where are you <laughs> seeing these gold ads? I haven't ordered a cocktail in years, but I could go. I sure could go for a Martinez. Finally, do y'all have any interest in touching on PPP loans? I'm very curious as to your opinions on getting one and methods for ensuring it can be forgiven. Parentheses. I understand a lot depends on which state you're in. Take care, boys. Miss you. Good work. Wow. That was tons of fun. Amazing.
0: That's so good. I
1: will look forward Nick to these reviews every episode. Absolutely. Uh, Touching on PPP loans. um, (laughs) So that one is earmarked for businesses. Maybe we can check in with Nick again on this one. I don't know if he started a business, but uh, Jason, do you have anything to add on PPP?
0: I do not want to talk about PPP on this podcast. We've done, uh, you can check out Uh, some live videos we did on our Facebook page for the business way back in March. Um, we wrote about it quite a bit, but man, there's, there's better references than this. I think out there just, it's worth probably worth a Google.
1: Hey, maybe not as fun, but, uh, yeah, some good (laughs) references out there. Well, Jason, I think it's that time. What do you think?
0: It's time, man. Let's do it. All
1: right. Well, folks, thanks for having a drink with us this week. It's time to close out the tab. If you want your story featured on the Old Fashioned Finance podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We would love to hear from you. Don't forget to write us a review on iTunes and share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Jason and Caleb.
0: Cheers. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay unless otherwise specifically cited